0: How are you going to exercise your rights if you don't even know them? Constitutional lawyer Mike Yoder here, and I want to remind you, the Constitution doesn't need to be rewritten. It needs to be reread, and it's our job to enforce it. So week four of Legally Armed, I have a very special guest and close friend and also a client, Jody O'Malley, who was the Project Veritas Whistleblower that exposed HHS, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, while working at the Phoenix Indian Medical Center in Arizona for effectively, Jody? why don't you fill me in and fill them in as to, in your own words, what you exposed?
1: Yeah, sure, Mike. So yeah, I'm a master's prepared critical care nurse that worked as an ICU, ER and hospital supervisor throughout COVID. And I, I just, you know, the the complete violation of the patient's bill of rights, the removal of the advocate from bedside, the lack of informed consent, the push to participate in experimental medications and procedures, um, you know, the the driving up of the COVID numbers which I had to report to the emergency management resource database after every shift. Um, you know, all of that, all of that got to be too much when I was realizing that nobody was actually following the science. And so I pulled out my phone in the hospital and I started recording and released it to Project Veritas.
0: Well, I, the only thing that I always say with this in terms of follow the sciences, They were following the science. They were just following the political science, not the biological or medicinal sciences, or frankly, anything that has to do with the care of patients or humans. And, you know, I want to go into what happened from the time that you decided to record and go to Project Veritas, but I want to first go back and touch on a question that I get more than anything else, which is. What can I do to get involved? And you and I have talked about this at length. And you have told me repeatedly that you just feel like you're just a normal average person that was doing your job and this got thrust into your lap. And I just kind of want, you know, the listeners to hear your story as to, you know, perception as to what you did in the shoes that you were walking in at the time, and then where you see yourself now and how that's changed.
1: Yeah, so from the very beginning, when they, they were pushing out that 24-7 fear-based propaganda, the death toll ticker, not telling us anything that we can do to um, boost our immunity, and actually everything that went against evidence-based practice. So when I talk about science, I'm talking about utilizing the best available science that we have available which for example, mask. We know, we knew that masks don't work. That was not anything new to us, but because of the, the brainwashing that occurred, everybody was, and when I say everybody, I'm gonna speak from nurses and doctors. You had the vast majority that were wearing them, not know, or knowing that they didn't do anything, but I would hear repeatedly, we're doing the best we can. We're doing the best we can. And I'm like, no, we're not. We're not doing the best we can. The best that we could do is to put some um, control measures in place in the in the um, HVAC system, right? Tell people to go outside and breathe fresh air. Tell them to put fans on in their house, open up a window to lower, you know, the the viral load that could possibly be in the room. So following my evidence-based practice continuously, like another good one, we don't ever tell people that you could have a deadly disease, but we're not going to treat you for it until it's actively killing you. All of this stuff was just completely insane, and it was even harder for my colleagues to go along with that. But what it came down to was what Fauci said, right? HHS came down in cahoots with CDC and FDA, and they pushed all of this anti-science on people, and they got them to they got them to listen. I mean, it's
0: crazy. I mean, it's crazy. The the and 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 along the lines of the evidence based practice and what you're talking about, I looked into the science. I looked into the studies. You know how meticulous I am when I'm going through evidence and data and being able to present my arguments. I looked into the studies on the masks. I started with the N95 because that was the media and the mainstream narrative as the best mask. So. I read the study. I looked at it closely. I examined the results. The most closely woven particles in the N95, the, or the most closely woven knit of the mask can stop particles as small as 0. 0.27 micron. Mm-hmm. The largest COVID particle ever detected was 0. 0.009 micron. So you can fit. or excuse me i guess it was 0.09 micron
1: 0.09 shit i'm I'm not good
0: at math so whatever (laughs) 009 you could fit three of the largest covid particles ever detected through the most closely woven knit mask so in other words the mask is no different than if you were to stand in front of a window screen and then have someone on the other side and spray a spray bottle or a water bottle at them and if you get wet you can contract or transmit COVID at that point because it takes one particle yet they're telling people to wear masks and my favorite was when they're like cover your nose cover your nose i'm like what is some are people just like out here blowing snot rockets at each other like what the hell is the point of covering your nose with something that doesn't even work i mean these masks are for Traditionally, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, surgeons in the OR preventing blood splatter from, you know, hitting their face. It's like a shield. It's not supposed to be a biohazard, you know, stopping device. It's not supposed to prevent everything. If you can smoke a cigar and blow smoke through it, you can see your breath through it. It's not going to stop you being able to transmit something that's three times smaller. And when you said follow what Fauci said and adopt what Fauci said, there was a court opinion I believe it came out of Pennsylvania, where the judge cited in his motion to dismiss, I I can't remember the case, but he cited and said, virtually every health authority has said that this is the best means to stop transmission. And I read that and I was just floored because that's a federal judge. Stating on the record and using it as a legal basis that could potentially be precedent setting that they're going to ignore evidence in lieu of opinion. I don't give a shit if everybody in the world is saying that a car can fly or this remote is a plane You, everyone can say that this is a plane, it doesn't make it a plane. They literally ignored in a court of law hard science and evidence in lieu of opinion. And that is one of the scariest things that I have ever seen happen in the courts. Yeah,
1: that's scary.
0: We're in the courts right now in multiple cases. And, you know, in terms of going through the administrative process, what is it like, and I'm speaking of the federal case, what is it like to have to fight so hard to even get in the door to a courthouse? because I don't think a lot of people understand what you have to go through administrative wise in order to the point where you can actually file a formal lawsuit?
1: Yeah, that part that's been a process, hasn't it? I mean, you and i you and I met and started working together in December of twenty one. And so now, you know, it's, it's all of these three letter agencies and, and it, it just blows my mind how they, they say that justice is swift and we are all, you know, as Americans, we deserve a speedy and fair trial. And here we are, you know, 18 months later, essentially still going through the process. So, yeah, it's like, you know, and I'm still, thank God, I have you that that's so well versed in this and and can dumb it down for me. But I mean, we had to go through the Office of Special Counsel, just just be knowing that they're going to deny it or whatever their role is in this process, and then go to the Merit System Protection Board, knowing that they're probably not going to do much, um, and then then the EEOC complaint. And, and now it's like, okay, now we're just waiting to get a lawsuit. <laughs> it's, it's frustrating to say the least.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that. That's why you'll see, you see comments all the time and I'm sure you see it on social media where it's like, why isn't anybody doing anything? Why isn't anything happening? Who cares? You know, it's too late. This or that. The courts are not just something that you can walk up to with a stack of papers and put it on someone's desk and go to war you have to go through a painstaking long administrative process with these types of cases of course certain cases you can just go to court with you don't need to go through the administrative side but employment related matters especially federal employees state employees public any you know governmental worker essentially and military is the hardest it takes a while and you know you've been courageous throughout all of it and you know stood and just flagrantly, you know, unapologetically adhered to your religious beliefs and your duties and, you know, code of ethics as a medical practitioner. And, you know, what, what really is the grounding or the basis that enables you to do that? Because, and I'm going to go back to the question I asked earlier as to how other people can get involved. But first and foremost, I want to know what is your drive and what is your, you know, what is that force behind you being able to stay so steadfast?
1: well, it's it's my relationship with God. you know, I, I've had a relationship with with him ever since I can remember. I don't remember not ever being close with him. Now, having said that, does that mean that I'm, quote unquote, the the perfect Christian? I'm a sinner as well as everybody else, but I do know the voice of God. I do know it. And when I found out when I was working in the ER in March and people were talking about the planes that, you know, were being grounded and they, you know, weren't um, encouraging travel and all of that. I was like, wait a second, the whole world's getting on board with this. And they're like, yeah, we don't know. It's novel. It's new. And I, and I was like, oh my gosh, the whole world. Now for me, that was prophetic. It was extremely prophetic because as a young girl, I grew up in a spirit filled um, church that spoke on end times prophecy. So I knew when I heard that the, this was a global event, you know, because people like to say, over and over. Oh, you know, this, everybody's saying it's the end times. And we've had turmoil before that we had to get through. And it's like, yeah, but this is different because this is a global thing that affects every single person. And so with that, I literally looked up to God and I said to him, I'm supposed to pay attention to this part. Right. And through that, I chose faith over fear which then allowed me the ability to not lose my critical thinking skills and so i was able to um follow the science follow the evidence follow my ethical principles i mean every single nurse and doctor r- really needs to reread those because we violated almost every single one and for what they
0: did i won't say we cuz i'm not including you in that yeah but true they- Violent almost every single one. And, you know, when you said just not losing your critical thinking skills, some people may gaff at that being like, oh, I haven't lost my critical thinking skills. Well, have you worn a mask? Did you say that you had to get vaccinated to keep your job? Are you afraid to speak out in public or tell your friends how you truly feel? Are you refraining from posting on social media what you genuinely think or believe? Or are you saying what you genuinely think and believe? And You're following Fauci, or are you standing up and doing what's right and fighting back in the way that you can by just simply not capitulating? You draw your line in the sand and you don't move it back. Stop moving the goalposts. Because, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this and how it was possible to convince this many people of something so blatantly obvious. I mean, they were trolling us, Jody. I mean, do you remember when they had the COVID up the asshole tests? Like, <laughs> right? I mean, come on, guys. Like, there were people literally testing themselves with for COVID like that. And they're going to say that we're crazy? Right. I mean, we have a record of how many things we've said. One, it wasn't bat soup. It was created in a lab. Two, it came from China. Three, if you don't have significant comorbidities or... You aren't morbidly obese, diabetic, or extremely elderly. You'll probably just get sick and you'll be fine. If you go to the hospital, that's a different story because they're gonna probably do everything they can to put you on a ventilator. They get grant money for that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Remdesivir. Don't take ivermectin because oh, it's it's horse, you know whatever horse dewormer or whatever they said. Well, yeah, a horse is a big animal. The dosage is entirely different. Do you know how many drugs humans and animals mix i mean how many people have given their dog benadryl i mean there's so many right things that overlap and the narrative just is just so pervasive and they get away with it cuz people run with it and i can't imagine how this happened other than the fact that at some point the vast majority of people truly realized that they got played probably at different points along the way they probably realized that they got fooled and because they got so emboldened by casting stones and shit talking and posting online and telling people that they're grandma killers and not letting them home for holidays and ostracizing family and just severing friendships, that when they realized that they were wrong, it was harder to look that square in the face and admit that they were wrong because the sense of shame that overcomes them has to be absolutely astronomical. And they would rather die on that hill. Than mm-hmm. endure the shame of acknowledging how wrong they were and how hard they got played. Because I genuinely respect the people that I see online saying, I was suggesting to people as a physician that they get vaccinated. I was giving out vaccines. I wouldn't give ivermectin. I wouldn't give hydroxychloroquine. I genuinely bought it. I, I fell for it. And I can't believe I fell for it for this long. Those people, you know, I, I don't expect anyone to be perfect. Even though I'd still, you know, one day I'd like to have a conversation and say, how the hell did that happen? But the fact that people can actually admit it and own it, I think that you're a much bigger person than someone who, you know, artificially claims to be conservative or righteous or doing the right thing and then, you know, goes and gets a fake vax card so they can travel. It's like, God forbid I get burned or, you know, that type of thing. It's like, no, no being strong and steadfast doesn't mean you get to travel doesn't mean you get to cut corners just because you're not literally inoculating yourself it goes with every single thing that goes along with remaining strong and not getting vaccinated but people kept biting and just cutting corners and there are so few people out there that i truly think are strong i mean what is your experience in dealing with just the general public friends family whomever it may be in terms of this have you experienced anything similar
1: Yeah. um, I I will tell you, you know, probably about three or four months after I blew the whistle, my mom had come back from her primary care doctor. And she said um, that she was recommending her to get the, the shot. And I was like, okay, what did you say? And she's like, I don't know. You know, I have these, these comorbidities, this and that. And I said, mom, mom, I have been screaming about this telling you what you need to have in your cabinet, what you need to do just in case, what we can do to build up immunity. I just blew the whistle. I risked my life and my livelihood to do this. And you're telling me that you're still considering getting the shot. And she like said to me, she's like, well, don't get mad at me. You know, she was just, you know, encouraging it. And I said, yes. And I loved her. She was an amazing doctor. But so when I went to her office and saw her once over the in, in between those times, she had an N95 mask on and I sat there and looked at her and I was like, Doc, you know, this doesn't work. Why are you wearing this? Because it's it, it's more to say that it doesn't work, but it could cause harm. That's the thing. We're not supposed to do no harm. And so. Anyway, after she said that, I, I point blank said to her, I was like, listen, I am fighting this evil. And I am spending my whole, all of my time trying to educate people on this. If you decide to take the shot and something happens to you, I'm not going to be able to take care of you.
0: Just know that. I'll vouch for you. You gave me the the secret recipe to getting healthier when i was wasn't feeling well you told me exactly what to take i took that exactly in accordance i mean i don't know how i took like i don't know what it was like 500 like of those vitamin whatever they were just gel nasty little things but they made me feel better and i mean uh, obviously gabby you know took care of me but um you know i was back and i was good to go in like two or three days but what's even worse about the masks are the harm that they actually caused not what they prevented how many kids now have speech impediments because when they're in the most fundamental years where they're just the most malleable and these young minds need to be able to understand facial expressions they need to be able to see people pronounce words correctly and they don't see a face for 2 3 years or if they're even you know they're they're homeschooled they they're not getting an education. We know that. I mean, education in schools is bad enough as it is, let alone when you're learning from home. What about the burden that that puts on parents? What if you have two working parents? What if you're a single mom that has to work and now your kid has to stay at home with internet, like that messes up. I mean just the ripple effect and then the immune system being compromised. I mean, yeah. that's why, you know, I feel like my generation was the last one where parents were like, go outside, play in the dirt, fall off your bike, scrape your knee, you know, Mm -hmm. throw baseballs around like like, like do something outside now it's like oh shut up stop crying here's an ipad and then uh you know turn on whatever you want to turn on and then maybe we'll go take you to a tranny drag show later that's literally the new method of parenting and it's sad but i can't comprehend or put into words how many people were harmed through this i mean there were over six million people that died globally, that could not have died had ivermectin been prescribed. Ivermectin in the studies coming out of Israel and the EU showed that it would have prevented 95% of COVID related fatalities. 95% of that is over 6 million. So in other words, if you look at numbers, we're comparing the same population percentage globally that we just watched exceed In 18 months, the number of people that died during the Holocaust, and we were alive watching this happen, it wasn't through omission through gas chambers, but it was through intentional suppression of life-saving drugs and the intentional use of dangerous drugs. When you go to the hospital, the place that you're supposed to be getting taken care of, I have so many people calling me, telling me about these Stories that they lose loved ones where they literally had notes in their pockets that said, No ventilator, do not put me on a ventilator. They printed out forms from the hospital, signed them. They had it in their handwriting, in their pockets. They would not let go of it. They had them in their hand. They said, No remdesivir, no ventilators because they couldn't breathe because they were elderly or whatever it may be. And then they go to the hospital. I've had widows call me saying that they saw their husband perfectly fine, smiling, happy, and they were due to come home in the next day or that week. And they get a phone call five, six, seven days later, well past when they were supposed to come home. And, oh, he's in a coma. He's on a ventilator. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How the hell does that happen? I understand that things can happen as freak accidents and that medicine is wild. And there's things that go far beyond my you know, understanding of medicine. And I'm not trying to act as though I'm a doctor. However, this absolute abnormity of how frequently that has happened is insane. If you look at Olympic athletes, the most healthy humans alive from 1965 to 2021, I believe the numbers were that there were 1,061 heart-related fatalities for those that are, you know, Olympian athletes under the age of 35. If you look at that same demographic from May 2021 to May 2022, 969. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that in a span of just shy of 70 or 60 years. See, I told you I'm shit at math, right? 60 <laughs> years. They only had an additional. What? 40 ish mm-hmm. fatalities, hundred, whatever that number is Nine sixty nine to 1061. So 90, 90, less than a hundred, yeah. less than a hundred additional fatalities. That's, astounding over half a century and 60 is the number Mm -hmm. versus one year and the only thing that changed was the vaccine Mm -hmm. i mean well you know to go
1: back to what you said about like the the deaths first of all i i know for a fact that that number is completely off they're saying six million people died there's no way there's no way that six million people died of covid what they died of is the lack of care, right, in the hospitals. And so, like you said, the ventilator. So we had, so somebody goes into the hospital, now they're put in isolation. The standard of care was lowered um, purposely, right, under the Emergency Protection Act. We didn't have to chart the way we normally would have. We didn't have to go into the rooms. I mean, heck, doctors were writing on, on their progress notes report received from nurse due to limiting COVID exposure over and over and over again. So that patient came into the hospital. We did not do the standard of care. Remember in the beginning, we were not giving um, anti-inflammatories. We were not giving um, steroids because they said that it, it, they didn't work for COVID. All of We were not giving nebulizer treatments. Basic, basic rescue drugs, albuterol nebulizer treatments. We weren't doing that because they were saying this isn't for COVID. And so we had a ton of patients. And I, you know, I have the evidence that I gave you on that um, where I took care of patients, you know, maybe a week into it, a few days into it, a couple weeks into it where I assumed their care. And I insisted on a sputum sample And three out of the four times I insisted on the sputum sample, those patients came back with community acquired ammonias, pneumonias, right? And so they weren't getting treated with antibiotics because that was not the COVID protocol. I mean, doctors weren't even giving vitamins, zinc, C, D, because the administration was saying, this is not approved for COVID. So they weren't even doing the basic stuff that we would normally do. And so I believe that there is a lot of people, and don't forget, Mike, I mean, you know, like I said, in the beginning of this program, I was hospital supervisor, which means that every single admission, every single patient in that that hospital, I knew what they were in for and why they were there. And I still had to report positive bullshit PCR test numbers to the emergency management resource database, which went to our, to which went to the news and said, oh, they're overloaded with COVID patients. When I knew damn well that there weren't, like I had the pregnant mother that tested positive that was there to get a gallbladder removed. I had a diabetic that needed an amputation, all of these things. The, this inflated our COVID numbers. So when those people died, it listed as COVID as their their cause of death.
0: So yeah, it's completely I mean, wrong. It's like it's like someone that you know had a beer and then was walking across the street and got hit by a bus, and they blamed his cause of death on alcohol. It's Correct. like I mean, it, it's it's asinine, but. What I wanted to, you know, dive into on, on that note is there's a way that they can be held accountable and people don't realize that because it's extremely complex in where it's buried. And, you know, you, you kind of put me up on the spot here by saying that I explain things and break it down and and in your words, dumb it down, even though by no means do I think that you're anything shy of extremely intelligent, but nonetheless, I've spent months. It took me nine months to put this together. And I now have two clients who are properly situated and fully exhausted of the administrative process to file suit over being injured by the vaccines. Mm -hmm. And it's never been filed before. There's not been a single lawsuit in the entire country filed on this. And I'm bringing this out because I want people to know That, what they perceive or what they've been told about accountability and liability is not entirely true. If you look at the PrEP Act, it specifically states, and the Third Circuit has held this, and it explicitly, and I quote, says that Congress carved out a narrow exception, quote, for an exclusive federal cause of action against a covered person for death or serious physical injury approximately caused by willful misconduct the prep act unambiguously creates an exclusive federal cause of action what i mean by that is that people think the prep act just immunizes everyone it doesn't the prep act itself is a cause of action just like you can sue under title 7 you can sue under the americans with disabilities act you can sue under the rehabilitation act things of that nature the federal whistleblower protection act you can sue under the prep act it's not just an immunity veil And unlike the cases where some people might have heard about the preemption cases and the Saldana action, which was a ninth circuit case where they avoided getting uh dismissed and the defendant was unable to assert or invoke prep act immunity because the case was in state court. And what I mean by that is that there's two different systems in America. And I Jody, I'm not patronizing you. I know we've talked at length about the two different courts, but you can file suit in a state court or in a federal court. In federal court, federal laws apply and the state laws can tag along in state court fair game for both. But the prep act, if you keep the case in state court doesn't come into play at all. So if you keep the case in state court for only suing for state laws, like negligence, medical malpractice, things like that, it doesn't come into play, but that's different. Negligence is saying that you failed to do something you otherwise should have done. You had a duty to do X duty of care, and you breach that duty here. You affirmatively took an action, i.e. a vaccine, ventilator, remdesivir, failure to prescribe ivermectin, failure to you know administer ivermectin, whatever it may be, and you killed someone. You affirmatively killed someone. That is the difference, or you caused serious physical injury. And the claim is very straightforward. There are seven elements to it. It's an act or omission taken intentionally to achieve a wrongful purpose, knowingly without legal or factual justification and in disregard of a known or obvious risk so great as to make it highly probable harm will outweigh the benefit the only question we have there let's break it down actor omission okay you prescribe something or you failed to prescribe something or you put them on a ventilator or you administered a vaccine or you suggested a vaccine or you recommended a vaccine whatever it may be actor omission is easy i'm going to skip over number two for now Knowingly without legal or factual justification. So, legal justification well, Merrick Garland is the only one that can go after the EUA provisions under the FDCA, the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, because that's what's in the statute. Just like I can't go after someone for murder, but I can do it for willful or for willful misconduct or wrongful death. But, factual justification, that's easy. Pfizer conceded that they never tested these vaccines to prevent transmission or contraction they never did any efficacy testing whatsoever on these well i would say that that's not a factually justifiable basis to put something on the market the next
1: experiment on people
0: exactly i mean they've done it before Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know it's it's the same people that are championing equality and talking about giving three hundred sixty thousand dollars to any descendant of a slave in california who are then going to turn around and experiment on the same damn people again Right. And people were, you know, stressed because well, if you're a Democrat, you're supposed to be for equality and for minorities and supporting the BLM movement and things like that. And then now it puts you know black people in a very precarious position because they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I know where this goes. I know that the government's done this before, where they they tested on African Americans, and now the same people that are supposedly championing you are trying to guinea pig test you again with the vaccine, and you know, it's interesting they turned down Trump's platinum plan, though, to provide billions to gentrify low-income minority communities. But the most that I've seen, you know, Biden do or whatever they suggested was they wanted to put Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. And <laughs> the reason they couldn't do that, it had nothing to do with the race. But if you use a lot of darker ink, the reason that they couldn't do it, and it was suggested to Trump and he had to turn it down because it makes counterfeiting so much easier because of the quantity of ink that would be used on the paper that you can wash and you can harvest you can harvest that ink and that's why they didn't do it because the 20 bill doesn't have that internal you know the, like the hundreds the new hundreds of the blue and stuff the 20s are just normal paper and you harvest all that ink that's literally the only reason it's a security thing it's an inflation or economics issue it had nothing to do with race no one ever said harry tubman wasn't admirable you know for what she's done yeah. but you know the next thing is, going back to the PrEP Act here, The obviously there's no factual justification, but it was in disregard of a known risk or an obvious risk so great as to make it highly probable that harm will outweigh the benefit. Well, I would say putting a vaccine in someone's body, and I use the term vaccine loosely, uh, that you never tested, that would seem to be a pretty obvious risk to me, um, especially when looking at the Pfizer documents that they're revealing under that FOIA lawsuit with Aaron series, a brilliant lawyer, phenomenal job by his law firm on getting those. They tried to seal those records for 75 years. Mm-hmm. I E until everyone that was inoculated yeah. is dead. Yeah. But they did not prevail on that. The judge gave them six months to reveal and release all the records instead of 75 years. So again, that's, you know, Aaron series, a phenomenal lawyer, one of the best fighters out there with this, but there you go. You can see the risk. It's all in there. And then the second element and this goes back to you and you know project veritas and james o'keefe is the, the the hardest element here to prove is it was taken intentionally to achieve a wrongful purpose now that pfizer leak that shows that pfizer has now moved on to intentionally mutating the virus to get ahead of the curve and prevent quote-unquote allegedly prevent it through you know creating new vaccines that tells me two things one why the hell are you spending your time doing this if it's not going to come back around again and why wouldn't it i mean hell it was the biggest cash crowd cash cow they have had since vioxx where they got slammed to the ground for falsely advertising the safety of a drug just for the record you can look it up it was i think it was a 2009 settlement but point being this is actually way worse than them just trying to get ahead of the curve by them essentially engaging in what's in in gain of function, you know, research, not only are they violating a litany of federal laws, they're conceding that they are so piss poor at what they exist to do, that they have to mutate the virus on their own, because they know that they can't keep up with science and create a vaccine with enough efficacy and safety to curb viruses as they're coming out. And what's worst of all, is we don't even know if they're going to be natural or man-made moving forward. So Pfizer is saying, we suck so bad, we have to literally violate federal laws to function at the basic capacity with which we exist to produce medication. That's insane to me. With all that money?
1: Here, what about this, Mike? You know, we know from the evidence that's out there, is that this virus was not naturally occurring, Okay. Right. It was it was produced in gain of function research that got leaked from a lab for with a higher trans transmibil uh trans trans higher transfer rate, right? Can't think of my
0: transmissibility.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Higher just, transmissibility. As soon as you hear
0: trans, your brain just shuts off. You're like, no. I, I know. I'm like, out. I'm not saying, I'm not that, saying word. that word.
1: And and so here here's the other part of that though. Is because they utilize the experimental faulty PCR testing, right? They utilize that to drive up numbers. And even with their bullshit numbers that they drove up, saying that, you know, you're sick and you don't know it and you're walking around the whole asymptomatic thing, they they were able to drive up those numbers to encourage people to get vaccinated when, when it came out, right. When the so-called vaccine came out. So those numbers, like this is how nefarious it is, is that they, they intentionally used a faulty test that was never created intended to diagnose this disease. And because of that, they drove up the numbers that got people to want to get injected. And so even with those numbers that were drawn up, you know, that were blown way out of proportion. We still didn't have the deaths. So, so whatever nefarious game that they were that they were trying to do to kill people, essentially, it didn't work. It didn't work because people were still alive, right? Remember, we still had football games going on. We still had strip clubs going on. People were still going out. Oh, they and- would give
0: you a free lap dance if you got vaccinated.
1: Yes, yes i mean it's I mean, all for
0: public are... health and safety let's give people crispy cream donuts give them fast food some maybe some weed a free beer and a lap dance yeah that sounds like a healthy ass diet
1: yep and a donut
0: it's it's asinine i mean the fact that it's gone so far i mean and, and i saw this on social media but it's true you know con- these these so-called conspiracy theorists have come so far that The normies are claiming aliens are coming and we're telling them, no, they're not like, that's how ass backwards. Everything has gotten to the point where people are clinically insane. We're fighting over what a woman is. We're fighting over the fact that people still think wearing a mask works. I mean, I frankly think that it's just at this point an excuse to hide their face. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I have not seen an attractive person wearing a mask it's, and there's actually a study out on that, that there it's, it's statistically significantly more likely that ugly people wear masks. So, mm-hmm. you know, take it off, show that beautiful or lack thereof face you have. Uh, you're not saving anyone. You just look like an idiot. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the people are getting like four, five, six, seven vaccines. And I always, you know, I never wish ill on anyone. I don't wish ill on anyone. Mm-hmm. But there's just this sort of, poetic justice when it's the biggest shit talkers online that tell people to get vaccinated they're going to kill grandma and then the next thing you know is like their next post is like there'll be a memorial service held for john smith who passed away at the young age of 37 because of unknown causes he peacefully died in his sleep and i'm like you mean the john smith that just was telling me that i should go to hell because i didn't get vaccinated That, that one the one that just died like four days after getting vaccinated showing his you know and it's sad. It's truly sad. But there needs to be a way that people, you know, can be comfortable owning and, you know, coming back out and admitting that they were wrong. And people need on our, on the conservative side and, and and the people that did understand the truth. We can't, despite how hard it is, if we continue to attack them. And when I say this, I'm being very clear that I am not saying that we should, you know, that bullshit amnesty article that came out in the Atlantic, like, Oh, it's time for amnesty and forgiveness. No, fuck that. I'm not forgiving anyone, Mm -hmm. but we need to be cognizant that the continued rejection and the fear and the roasting and just calling them out and treating them like shit is only going to dig them in deeper. And we're going to continue that divide. If we want to get more people to put this to an end We have to allow them to be able to speak freely and admit that they were wrong and actually applaud them for saying that they screwed up royally. Yeah. Because there's a difference between forgiveness and forgetting Mm -hmm. and giving people room to own it. Because right now I see that it's just like a vicious attack every time someone does own it. and. I mean, they're, they're do- it's like making fun of a fat person at the gym. Like, you're the one that's supposed to be at the gym. It's not supposed to be these ripped six-pack, roided-out dudes, you know? I'm not saying that they don't belong at the gym, but you get my point. It's like, that yeah. person is literally there because they should be there. Right. So, like, people that are admitting that they're wrong, at least they're coming out and saying that. But, you know, Project Veritas, again, they were the one that exposed... That missing critical piece to the PREP Act, the intent to achieve a wrongful purpose. Now, the question before a jury boils down to, did they promulgate this COVID-related policy, the vaccine? Did they manufacture it, distribute it? And the list of defendants is not just limited to manufacturers. It includes, and I'm quoting, 42 U.S.C. Section 247D-6D. It includes a defendant who engaged in any of the following. They physically provided vaccines, administered vaccines, distributed vaccines, dispensed vaccines, managed or operated vaccine programs, managed or operated vaccine locations, or engaged in activities and decisions directly relating to the delivery of vaccines, whether public or private. That sounds to me like a whole laundry list. And I have a lot of trouble figuring out anyone that's not included on that list. Frankly, it includes advertising, media, anyone, you know, they're all subject to it. And- The only caveat is that you have to exhaust those administrative remedies through the CICP. It's under Mm -hmm. section 247D-6ED1. You have to go through that process. And when I looked at this, Jody, guess how many claims have been filed to date with the CICP?
1: Oh gosh, how many?
0: Less than 14,000. Because nobody knows about it.
1: Nobody knows about it. Because
0: no one looked into the statute, because nobody cares to figure out what the hell we can do to hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. And for me, it all started with just simply saying, oh, the mainstream media is telling me the PrEP Act immunizes everyone. I'm like, okay, so you mean I can sue them under that? And I just started looking. But it was complicated. It was like taking a page out of, and speaking uh, speaking of books, I have... Your book right here, including yeah. your nice, beautiful note you wrote to me. So thank you so much for that. Um, I also didn't know I was on the back of the book. That surprised me. Yes,
1: uh, so you're like, you're in that book. You. I, you... <laughs> that's quite
0: the lineup: James O'Keefe, Doctor Peter McCulloch, and me. That's kind of a, that's that's kind of a list that you know. I I appreciate you for putting me on there. But uh, in any events, it was like. It was like taking a page out of a book, cutting out every individual word, putting it in a Ziploc bag and piecing it back together. That's what I had to do with that statute me nine months. But I was able to do it. And I'm going to start filing these lawsuits because every time that something needs to be done, nobody wants to pick up the shovel and dig. They want to wait until the hole is already there. Then they'll hop in and say, oh, does anyone need to clean up? No. Yeah. I'm not that guy. I'm not letting people lose loved ones. I'm not going to sit back and watch massacres for no reason other than financial gain power and an agenda that is so antithetical to what God put us on earth for that it's repulsive. It's it's almost impossible to digest. Mm-hmm. And I will fight every single day about this because I truly feel like we all have a purpose on earth. And if you find your purpose and God calls you home when it's time to go home, I mean, heaven's gotta be, I can't even imagine how amazing it is. I mean, I sometimes wonder, I'm like, is this hell like on earth? Like, are we here? Like, damn, I screwed up real early. Like, I mean, it's like, (laughs) give me time to turn it around, man. You know, because it's just so morbid and dark. But, well,
1: you know, you say, you know, like Jesus says, you know, he's the truth, the life and the way. Nobody can come um, to the father except through him. And he's the only one that can bring the truth to light. He's the only one that can give life. And he's the only one that can show you the way. And, and so when, when people are, you know, to go to your initial question about what would I say to people or, or, you know, people that want to help or, you know, do something, I say, speak, speak, talk. Don't be silenced. Do not refuse to be silenced. You, you said it one time to me um, that we, what, we have a pandemic in this country of cowardice. And that's exactly what it is. You know, people are too afraid to speak up because they're too afraid to risk losing their comfort. And, and you and I had a good talk about that, too, on, on the show that you did with me on Nurses Out Loud. You know, it's like we you and I know what we're made of, right? Yeah, how do we know what we're made of? Because we, we went tested it. it. We went through stuff. Yeah, we tested it. We came out on top. We we you know didn't choose the, the easy path to get to, to things when we were uncomfortable because nobody grows in times of comfort. You don't you don't grow, you don't change.
0: That's why you I know? always say people need to start being comfortable with being uncomfortable because if anyone thinks those who made a difference in history those who stood up for doing what's right those whose names are remembered those who actually carried out what they're supposed to be doing here on earth had it easy you're sadly and sorely mistaken because i took this on either pro bono or lost jobs over it. I've sued de Blasio. I have sued Pritzker. I have sued Newsom. I have sued Cuomo. I have sued Hochul. I've sued Mayor Bowser. I've sued the District of Columbia. I've sued Biden. I've sued every single member in Biden's cabinet. I've sued Planned Parenthood. I've sued Antifa. I've sued multiple pharmaceutical companies. And now I've sued the NSA, and I'm not going to stop. And if anyone thinks any of those lawsuits were easy to piece together or to do, they're out of their fucking mind. But It is worth it day in and day out to fight for people like you and everyone else who actually had a spine and a backbone, because there need to be more of both types, people that are willing to fight on behalf of others and people that are willing to stick their necks out for others. Because if we don't have that, and we don't have good moral people, we are done. And that's where the test lies. Are you too afraid to speak up? If you're too afraid to speak up, you're sure as hell not going to act. And we need people that do more than even speak. We need people to start taking actions and realizing that the Constitution doesn't need to be rewritten. It just needs to be reread. And we have the ability and the power to enforce it.
1: Yeah. And thank God for people like you. I mean, I, I know when I found you from listening to uh, Coffee in a Mic podcast back in 2021, I, and you and I had that talk, we stayed on the phone for gosh, almost two hours talking, getting to know each other. And I think, you know, looking back at it, when I got off the phone with you, you were asking me, you know, in 50 different ways, what my purpose was, right? Like, why do you want to do this, Jody? And you were asking it in all these different ways to, to see if I was telling the truth or not, I think, you know what I mean? To, to assess my character. And, and I told you, I am not doing this to make money. I am not doing this to go, you know, go quietly in the night. You know, my job is not done. Your job is not done. How do we know that? Because we're still in this fight. You know, the Lord doesn't lead us to the fire and not see us through it. And, and that's where it's like, oh, ye of little faith, you know, all of us are going to be judged. And I, and I always try to you know change people's wording too when they say they were forced. Well, I was forced to get the vaccine. Oh, did, do you know what that definition of force means? Did somebody hold you down, tie you down, and inject that into you? No, they didn't. Okay, well, you weren't forced. You were you were um, coerced into getting it because they held your paycheck, you know, like a carrot dangling. But again, I when I blew the whistle and I at the time, you know, Benjamin was what, a 10 years old, 11 years old. He's 13 now. Um, I blew the whistle. I didn't know if I was going to have to go sleep at my friend's house. I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I didn't know if I was going to lose my license. I didn't know if I was going to go to jail. I didn't know if I was going to get killed. But at the end of the day none of that mattered because we, this this earth is not our home mike you know that
0: this is gonna, not our home and i i just i'm just going to give this plug as you know sort of the closing out and the final reminder if if anyone takes one thing from this episode it's that i want them to take this the way that i look at life is as if the day you were born god pulled out a notepad and a pen and he jotted down expectations of what he wanted you to accomplish during your time on earth every day is an opportunity to get closer to that. We're not supposed to be perfect every day. God knows that we never will be perfect and we're going to always innately be sinners. But there will be a day when we leave this earth and we go to knock on that door of heaven and when God answers it and you look at him and he starts reading that piece of paper to you, are you going to be able to humbly smile or are you going to feel embarrassed that you didn't even get fucking close? because you wasted your time on Earth filling it with just dirty non-beneficial thoughts actions deeds and you wasted your chance I mean the chance of life and the opportunity to live is the greatest blessing imaginable it's a chance to go to heaven like this is you're you're drafted you just have to show up and do what you're supposed to do. And so many people throw that away. And frankly, I'm not going to even go down the abortion road. I'm already fired up today over the, you know, the, the people that have lost their lives and are injured over it. But that's how I see the world is that note. And I think to myself, if I had a bad day, okay, I need to really pick it up and get focused again, because I need to do what I can do. Because I can't imagine anything more fulfilling than when God reads that note and you can just humbly, you know, smile and be like, I did it. Or I got close. I did the best I could. Because otherwise, earth is not the end. But people who don't see it that way, it's, I don't know how they do it because life without God is extremely dark. And if you have your own, you know, if you have your person here with you and you find that, you know, you're the perfect person that God created for you on earth. It makes that journey so much more enjoyable because you have your best friend, your coach, your partner, and you're able to successfully navigate, but you can still do it alone. And it's better to do it alone than it is to settle in my opinion. And people need to find God again, because a godless society is exactly what's created the situation that we're in right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. And it's probably a good way to close it out. I mean, you, we certainly don't want to hear, oh, ye of little faith, because, you know, he, he, he says in the, in the word, I'll spew you out of my, out of your mouth, out of my mouth. Like I never knew you.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, you know, people, you know, it's those lukewarm people that, that really have to, um, that, you know, submit. And, and ask God, like, show me your will, Father, not my own. <clears throat> you know, even Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, said, take this cup away from me, you know? Um, but if your will, your will be done. Our Lord's prayer that we're supposed to pray, your will be done. Not not Jody's will, not Mike's will, not what my mom wants for me, but God's will. He is our Father. And, and you know, the reason that I wanted to write the book was, was, there was a few of them, but a big one is, is to get people to realize what has been done to them and let them know that there is hope through the word and a relationship with God. And that is, that's really what I hope people draw closer to.
0: Yeah. And I'm excited to read this. I regrettably have not had a chance to dive into it yet, but you know, I just want to, you know, give you the floor to say what it is that you want about this book and you know i want to make sure that all of my listeners know that i'm not getting paid to push this book i'm not doing anything for any reason other than the fact that i genuinely love jody and i think that she is an amazing human and if you care about what is just and right then you need To find people like her and have people like that in your life and support them and the easiest way you can start by doing that is getting her book jody put everything on the line to expose stuff for other people she lost her career she is fighting tooth and nail to still defend people and she is the most selfless person i've ever met but this book rare courage i'm excited to read it but jody the floor is yours i want you to say whatever it is that you have to say about this book i'm very proud of you for getting through it and writing this i can't imagine the undertaking but like i said it is rare courage
1: yeah thank you mike um yeah i i I need to start healing i think that was a That was um, a cathartic experience for me. You know, I I look at, you know, my journey through COVID for the last three years and I've gained, you know, 40 pounds. I use food as my comfort, you know, but when that book was released a couple of weeks ago and I was meeting people and hearing their stories, everybody that's like read that book tells me that they read it in one to two sittings and that they want, you know, their mom to see it, their parents, their friends that don't talk to them anymore, you know, it's called them crazy. You know, this, this book is for everyone that that's it. It's for everyone. It is not um, it's not about a a religion. It's about a relationship with God. And ultimately at the end of the day, that's where I find my calling now is, is to be a testimony and let people see how the Lord is using me. Uh, you know, I asked him to use me. I submitted in June of 2020. And then in August of 21, you know, when I got that, that, that sign to record and start recording what was happening in the hospital and expose it, you know, every single day I see his hand move in my life and others. So I want people to take this book and to share it, share it in the nurses stations, just drop it off, leave it in the break rooms. Um, if somebody wants to you know, get a bunch, I will absolutely give them a, a discount, 50% off, because I'm not making money on this. All the proceeds that I will make from this book will go to help those affected. And one of the organizations I'm working with is 1000widows.org. Um, it's a group of widows that lost their loved ones due to the deadly hospital protocol. They started noticing that there were about 27 commonalities that they all shared, and and I'm hoping to seek justice. And so- Yodi, you're
0: so selfish. You plugged another organization before even telling people where they could get the book.
1: Oh. <laughs> I, See, I can't with
0: you. See, that's what I mean. You're literally just programmed to be- the most caring person you're literally pro, just plugging away with other organizations which is just something i've admired along the way i mean i can't tell you how many times you've done stuff like this where it's you know you'd give the shirt off your back to someone if you had to but uh i, I do want to just make sure it's very clear to people where can they get your book or where can they contact you find you uh you know your social media things like that
1: yeah so um <laughs> thank you mike um jody Um, I'm, you can go on there. I'm looking to like organize some retreats, you know, to help people with courage, confidence, and their calling. Um, They can find me at Nurse for Natives, Jody O'Malley RN on the social medias. Um, And you can also get the book on Amazon. So um, it's out there. I'm looking to also add an audible um, portion of it. Um, I, yes. So those are the things, uh, Jody O'Malley RN.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, Jody, it's been a pleasure. I'm so glad you were able to come on. Uh, this is officially my longest episode of legally armed, which I had absolutely no doubt that it would be anything. But, um, as always, I love talking to you. Thank you for everything you do again, guys, Jody O'Malley RN was it? Yeah. Jody O'Malley RN.com. Right
1: yes yes
0: j-o-d-i because i'm sure there's a lot of variations of spelling that j-o-d-i-o-m-a-l-l-e-y-r-n dot com or nurse for natives on instagram and you can go from there but jody thank you again so much for coming on that's it for this week on legally armed guys don't forget to grab a copy of jody's book if anyone needs to get a hold of me you know where to find me yoder esq.com thanks for tuning in